And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub in the Bloom, episode 97, creeping towards 100, Bloom. Um, we are going to kick start your 2024 positional previews tonight to get you ready for the season. Ahead, reviews have been done. Bloomboard season's in full effect. We are back. We're ready to roll. You can find me on Twitter at BDN. Check the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. And my co-host, as always, on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, my friend? I'm good, man. Uh, a lot better than... Uh... A lot better than last Thursday. So, but it's not about me tonight. Tonight, tonight is your tonight is your Super Bowl. I mean, this is this is what you prep all draft season for. It's why you, when the alarm goes off Tuesday morning, six o'clock, five o'clock. I mean, this is what you train for is our catcher preview for 2024. So um, I know it's a big, a big stage. I wasn't even I was considering just no showing tonight. Or at least just taking notes from you, but I'll 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 try and sprinkle in some uh, some thoughts as we go. But uh, this is this is it for you, man. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do after this episode. Kind of disappointed. I told you before the show, I don't get nervous on a lot of podcasts. I get nervous tonight because the expectation, the bar is so high. Yep. Uh, yep. On the on this one, like people actually expect me to to bring information, at least in my in my uh, my way of bringing information. So as opposed to all of our other episodes. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see where this one goes. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know it's like part of it's tongue in cheek, but part of it, I love catchers. I really do because. Catchers, hashtag catchers matter, and people are starting to catch on to that. Is they realize how much deeper the position is, how valuable the elite catchers are now because of certain factors, which we'll talk about on this show. So, hashtag catchers matter. Remember, get that one trending, folks. It's important. But before we get into the best position in fantasy baseball, let's remind everybody about our listener auction leagues through the NFBC 15 team auctions. I'm pretty, we pretty much agreed it'll be 50 bucks a head. That'll be what the, the yep. prize pool will be. Uh, remember, rate, review, send it to one of us uh, or both of us, whatever you prefer. We'll get you on the list. Without the two of us, we're up to 25 people, so we almost have two leagues filled already, which is pretty darn awesome, considering the only way you've heard about this so far is this show. So pretty cool stuff there, Bloomfield. Yeah, and a lot of what we've heard, too, is like folks that this is the, the auction or the NFBC platform is is new to them. Um, and that's actually for us, like, that's good to hear. We want to, we want to bring this as like a low barrier of entry into either the NFBC, um, the auction format, you know, whatever, uh, it's new to us as well. Like I've never played an NFBC auction format. I haven't done an auction since tout wars a couple years ago, and I don't think have ever done a 15 team mixed league auction. So, um, if you're, I don't want to say nervous, but if you think you're going to like sign up and get blown away by experts and that sort of thing. Um, I think again, I think we're all going to be not learning on the fly, but kind of feeling this out together, which will be kind of cool. Um, so yeah, uh, we've heard a lot of great feedback from everybody and let's get a couple more leagues filled and make this, make this a real good time. Thanks. Remember if you listened to last week's episode with the bloom boards, if we get to at least four leagues, at least four, obviously more the merrier, at least four at 60 people, you know, Bloomfield and I will play in a couple of them. So not necessarily 60, but if we get at least four, we'll have an overall competition. The overall winner will get a pretty darn good prize, which I will announce once we finish filling at least four up. I want you guys to get in this. And the other thing we will mention, we talked before the show, like I said, it's only been announced if you listen to this podcast so far. That's the only way it's been out there. In about another week or so, we'll start tweeting it out to the masses to come join. So, Get in while it's good. And again, they'll still have to rate and review. It's just not first come, first serve. But 
we'll let more people become aware of said league. So come in, join the fun. It's going to be awesome. Well said. All right. Let's talk catchers. He's smiling already. He's smiling already. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome stuff here. So we're going to go through the top 10 of NFBC ADP since 1212. Uh, we're going to go through the um, ADP 11 through 20 and give a couple that we like there. And then some deeper dives. We've got some good listener questions so far. But Bloom's got the board up for us. I believe that's the top 30, correct? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, we didn't we didn't quite sync sync notes here but yeah this is the top 30 well i could just tell because i knew the bottom part of the end so i knew we were, we were in the uh, dc world of things so um this will work out really well um most of these guys it's it's been there are there has been movement in adp i'll say that much over the last month but for the most part the elite are the elite and for good reason i am surprised by a couple things which we will obviously talk about on this show but um let's start with the first guy up here. I think it's pretty unanimous. And that is one Adley Rushman, who um, is clearly the top catcher off the board right now in ADP of 53. Last year crushed at Bloomfield, hitting 272 with uh, 20 bombs, the biggest part, played in 154 games, the 687 plate appearances, just makes them light years ahead of other catchers. So what are your thoughts on Adley? Like, I still don't have Adley because I like a lot of other catchers, so I haven't spent that price on him. But if you're going to, I get it. So what's your thoughts on Adley Rushman? Yeah, like he is leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else by by ADP. But I don't – Adley Rushman's really good. I think you're over – I think the price I think the price is pretty steep right now uh, with an ADP of 53, which is like two rounds ahead of the next group of catchers, JT Real Muto, Willie Contreras, and Will, and Will Smith. And quite honestly, man, like I don't really see much of a difference between Adley and those three. So I think you're kind of paying for extra in two rounds early for similar stats. Like I don't know with Adley. So yes, the the 680 played 687 played appearances is like just absolute gold. But he only hit 20 home runs off of those nearly 700 played appearances with power metrics that I think were just kind of average even a little bit below average and so he doesn't run um hq's got him projected for like 273 batting average again which is good but like a 273 batting average 20 homers good stats but i think you can get that much later in the draft and i think you're paying a premium for adley uh where he's going in drafts now in like obp points leagues the the walk rate for Adley Rutschman is elite, and I think that helps a lot. I put this out on Twitter earlier in the week, I think, or maybe it was last week, saying that like Adley has an elite, I think what 13, 14% walk rate. But for five by five roto, like is that is that a good thing? Is that just kind of average or is that a bad thing? And I, I kind of landed on most people said it was just kind of neutral. Um, with that elite walk rate, like it's not doing anything for your batting average. He doesn't Adley doesn't run. So it's not doing anything for your stolen bases. He just walks so much that uh, even though he does get the high plate appearance total, the actual number of at-bats, which is what we use in our 5 by 5 game, isn't quite there. So I just don't see enough of like a separator uh, between Adley and where other catchers are going to maybe even four rounds later in drafts. Yeah, again, zero shares of Adley. I think he's a better real-life player than Roto player. Now the OBPs, again, what you were saying, intriguing. But I'll be honest, right out the gate, a lot of catchers become much more intriguing with OBP. 
Um, that that's interesting as well. Not yeah. with the plate appearances that Adley has, of course, to help to help weight that down more, but it definitely affects. So I think Adley's a really good ball player, but fantasy wise, like that stat line we see around pick one seventy one, a player we'll talk about later, very similar stat line, um, and you, so you can wait a long time on a guy like that. JT Real Muto, I was honestly surprised to see him number two. This has been one of the changes that, but from now, now from early draft season with JTR, he's got an ADP of 76. Uh, coming off kind of a down season, I'd say not, maybe not even kind of a down season for Real Muto expectations. Uh, when you look at it, he uh, hit 252, 20 homers, 16 steals, which is still great because the steals is why Real Muto always got pushed up a ton. But still only 135 games, 540 plate appearances. That's like in line with pretty much uh, the last three seasons, actually down from a lot of his other like really, really productive seasons. Um, the big thing with Rio Muto last year while he was getting drafted so high was, you know, Bryce Harper wasn't coming back till midseason, Rio Muto a DH, yada, 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 down the line. A lot of that did not happen. Even when Reese Hoskins got hurt, um, the, the idea of Rio Muto playing every day did not really come to fruition, especially when Harper came back because he DH'd the entire time or played first base. Um, so Rio Muto is still a very good player. The power speed was really good, but the uh, average being down and another year older, like I'm just still not there with JTR. But the price tag is cheaper than years past. I will agree with that. But uh, what's your thoughts on JTR? Because I, I ain't there. He's my number one catcher. He's my number one catcher. Um, what what we will so what the YouTube crowd and live stream what we have on the actual screen here is um so it's it is the top 30 catchers by adp but then we've color coded the average home runs and stolen base projection uh by steamer and what you'll notice is the stolen base unsurprisingly for catchers the stolen base column is pretty much all red except for jt real muto there's a couple others with like seven five projected steals Ramuto is still projected for 13 steals which i think i think he could even exceed i think that's just such a um such a boost at a position where nobody else really runs and quite honestly if i'm comparing jtr to adley i think Ramuto has more power than adley rutschman uh more even to make up for the lack of of plate appearances even though he might hit for like a slightly worse batting average so um, JTR for me on uh, like an all admit last year was a down season, but a down season to hit 250, 20 homers and 16 steals. Like the track record for this guy is, is, is unreal. So, um, give me, give me the bounce back. I don't, I don't really think, I mean, it's going to be age 33 season for Miramuto. I mean, I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff or anything like that. I still think he's got a couple good years in him. So, um, my number one catcher. And I'm happy to take him where he's going, ADP like 76 in the sixth round of 15 teamers. I think that's a, uh, I don't want to say no brainer because there's a lot of other good options later, but uh, it's a pick that I think's really going to help you and again, give you that leg up in stolen bases. Yeah, I guess for me, and I, for someone that's recorded with Toby Forever, who is King JTR, I understand the argument behind this. But two things that always concern me, like, and I think he's, if you want to take him, I'm not going to argue the upside. Everything Ryan said makes sense, right? Makes total sense. My devil's advocate to this is I like drafting my stolen bases elsewhere. I feel confident in that. So I don't feel like I need my catcher to get me steals because that is the appeal to JTR. Because similar to Adley, if you just look at power and, and, and average, you can find that in a lot of other places. A catcher, it's the steals. And like, that's no denying that. I feel like I can get it elsewhere. The other thing is it always worries me, especially with catchers and older catchers. I don't want to tie my steals up to a position that's so prone to injury. 
Like that is a, a very big concern of mine. Uh, all it takes is a foul ball off the hand or something silly uh, or, you know, collision at the plate, which shouldn't happen, but does happen. Um, that's just my devil's advocate to the argument. I get it. If you want to take JTR, he's a very great, he's a, he's a great player. The Phillies offense is going to be awesome. There's no denying any of that devil's advocate though. There are some serious concerns that at least need to be acknowledged in the conversation of drafting JTR. That's my two cents. Minor concerns, minor concerns. Come on. Minor, minor concerns. All right. Now to the uh, elite catcher at the position. One William Contreras, the one of the Contreras brothers. Um, William's a, William is a beast. We've, we've talked about this too many times. People are probably sick of it. But uh, last year hit 289, 17 homers, six steals, 611 plate appearances, which was great. The plate discipline improved uh, last year, which was amazing as well. Uh, ADP of 82 right now, just behind JTR. And projections have him hitting 273 with 25 homers and five steals. Like, I'm pumped on that as well. Like, that's a better stat line than Adley Rushman, folks. Like, and you got him uh, 30 picks later, if you so choose. So, everyone knows my feelings on William Contreras. He's one of my top catchers off the board. Um, if I'm going to take any catcher early, it's probably going to be William Contreras. Uh, he'll be the earliest one I would take. Um, just, I think, I think there's still so much more to come from him. Like, Adley's, Adley's a heavy ground ball guy. Like if he starts hitting more fly balls, maybe the power shows up. Uh, Contreras, he he went more OB, OBP and batting average. The power dropped a bit, but he could his his quality of contact metrics were still elite, which shows the power's there. Like I love everything about William Contreras. Um, if the, I, I actually wouldn't be disappointed if his average dropped a bit. I think he's got 30 home run power. Like this dude is that good. So I love William Contreras. Like everybody knows that by now. Floor is yours, Mr. Bloomfield. Um, yeah, it is interesting. William Contreras is a extreme ground ball guy, 55% ground ball rate last year, which is why he only hit 17 home runs and 611 plate appearances. And I know it's easy to sit here and say, well, just, you know, launch angle, elevate a little bit more. Um, he does like hit the hell out of the ball. The X velocity is great. The quality of contact for William Contreras is awesome. So um, I do think like a power, uptick is certainly possible will come up the expense of batting average which is like you said Bubba is is probably fine um if he lifts the ball a little bit more that'd be I think that'd be fantastic the biggest thing for Contreras really a couple things the strikeout rate went way down in 2023 um while hitting the ball harder like doing those two things at the same time even though it was a big ground ball rate um that's that that was really nice to see in an age 25 season and volume beast. Uh, there's a few of these guys near the top that also catch and DH and play other positions. Uh, William Contreras played 33 games at DH last season and thus got those 600 plus played appearances. I don't see, you know, I, I like William Contreras straight up over Adley and they're very similar type skill sets. Like I get, it's a little bit tough to compare JTR with these guys with the steals, but like, I think William Contreras has a lot more power than Adley Rutschman right now um, and probably the same batting average. So um, I think Contreras is a, a fine choice if you're going to go early. And as a friendly reminder, folks, the number one fantasy catcher in 2023. He was. he was. The next catcher, though, is a catcher that I have tremendous issues with. Some very smart people love Will Smith. He's got an ADP of 85. When you look at the stat line last year, 261. It's pretty much in line with his norms. That's um, – he had 19 homers, three steals. Those are all good numbers, but 126 baseball games, 554 plate appearances. The plate appearances are good. Games played, not as much. Um, people were very excited about Will Smith for the potential to DH, but they went and signed J.D. Martinez. 
That doesn't help. Oh, wait, they signed Shohei Otani this year. And a lot of other hitters. Like, Will Smith will get his occasional DH, but it won't be his to have fun with, like a lot of people were hoping for at one point in time. So he, I think, very good hitter still. I still think he takes an even bigger hit when it comes to potential plate appearances than some of the guys going after him in this draft. I know I've always been kind of negative on Will Smith, but good ball player. I think he gets over overvalued in fantasy, but that may be just me. What's your thoughts on Will Smith? Um, I think he's coming off. I think you're buying a really good track record coming off a down year with Will Smith. And, and again, a down year for Will Smith last year was a 261 batting average, which is kind of in line with what we saw previously, but just 19 home runs. <clears throat> um, the barrel rate for Will Smith has consistently been in double digits throughout his career. That dropped to 7% last year, but, uh, but I'm not that concerned about it. The plate skills are great. Yes, the DH thing is a problem. You're not going to get the volume of William Contreras or Adley Rutschman, but the lineup is sick. I mean, as, as you know, I, I know you don't want to hear that. No, they are. Bubba, but like the runs and RBI potential uh, for Will Smith, even though he's not DHing, I don't think they're really DH at all. I mean, they're going to play Otani pretty much all the time. So um not going to get the, the volume, but uh, I still think Will Smith like maybe I'd take our next guy over him, but that's kind of nitpicking. Um, I think what you're getting in Will Smith is a rock solid floor because some of these other guys, Adley, Rutschman included, William Contreras, we'll talk Yiner Diaz next. Some of these guys have only had one good year. Yep. Will Smith has had He's stable three or four good years. And I, yep. I do think there is value in a catcher doing what Will Smith does in that lineup who has been that good for for that for those number of years and and you're, he is coming off a little bit of a down year but I think that track record is is worth a ton and I think it speaks to uh some positive regression for Will Smith next year. Yeah, like he's going to be a good hitter, I don't deny that, but then my other I guess I'll keep playing devil's advocate just for fun cuz people they do hate yep, when everyone sure. when yep. everyone like agrees on every show. Um Great hitter, yes, but the argument that a lot of people, like even Alan just put in the chat, that the lineup around him might offset that, okay, but my argument to that is how many guys are going to be left on base and everybody else has already hit in? Like the counting stats, like maybe he's the one that benefits from it and other guys take hits and counting stats. It's like always my argument when, oh, they have so many great players, they're all going to score 100 runs, they're all going to drive in 100. Well, that's not physically possible. Like it's just not. So like – I know projections try to disperse things evenly and do this and that, but again, just devil's advocate. Like what if all of a sudden he's the odd man out in the middle of the order because the elite guys at the top just took care of business. We've seen that with the Braves. We've seen that with the Braves. Like, let's just like, think about these things. It's um, not everyone can feast on a great lineup is my point. Again, just a devil's advocate trying to be different. The biggest argument I'll make is there's at least three guys below him that I'll take at much lower ADP. And that's just my two cents on that one. That I can buy. I I I I don't. I think Will Smith like is within a tier here. He's quote and unquote you're kind of safer. In the tier. He's quote unquote safer because he's done it. I 100 agree with that. We've seen it. He's done it. Not going to argue that at all. I'm just worried. Like you've got to get 130 games out of him, and, and that's I think about where you're going to get. Like I don't see it being too much more than that type thing. Yeah. 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 Yainar Diaz. Love me some Yainar Diaz. Of course, he's my fourth catcher. On my rankings, he's the fifth catcher off the board in ADP with an ADP of 107. Uh, last year, great season, 282, 23 bombs. I uh, like the plate skills, less than a 20% K rate, which I thought was great. Played all over the place, DH catcher. Well, position's his now, folks. Maldonado, gone. 
it's Yainar season. They've announced it's Yainar season. You give me 130 plus games of Yainar Diaz, I am pumped. Um, I don't even think projections are giving them that yet. They only give him 110, and that's giving him 21 bombs and 273 average. They only give him 103 at Steamer. He played 104 last year, folks. Hate to break that one to you. Um, give me like 130 games of Yainer Diaz. We're approaching 30 bombs here with an average. So big fan of what he can do. Yeah, I mean, my hot my my hot take for catcher, well, one of them for catcher position is Yainer could very easily be the number one catcher in 2024 100 um this is a guy that he has like you just said he has the job he can dh he's got elite power the contact's good the only flaw really in yiner diaz's fantasy game is the track record like there is some there is the thought that major league pitchers can adjust to him it's only 377 plate appearances last year for yiner diaz but it's not really his fault can do what he can do and the, the opportunity that he's given and i think that opportunity is coming in a big way the only thing i i don't know and i probably should have looked this up uh, as a professional podcaster i don't know how good the defense is behind the dish um i know that i mean maldonado was elite for houston last year in that regard but uh i still think diaz gets a, a ton of playing time and like i said he he's got the the skills the, the steamer projection of 21 home runs i think we have a listener question on this later seems really low to me well because um, the playing I, time that's wrong oh uh, is it look they haven't yeah, played 103 right. games less than yeah last that's year. right you just said that yeah that's right um yeah. so maybe on a per game basis that uh that goes up to 30 but yeah i wouldn't be surprised a at all if if diaz leads catchers in home runs and does it with a pretty damn good batting average which would put him number one unless jtr just kind of goes off i just pulled up his catching numbers on savant he's uh, in the 90th percentile and blocks above average last year he's 81st and caught stealing above average he's not great in framing 21st in framing he's 86th in pop time so outside pretty of the framing part it's pretty good yeah. yeah it's pretty solid and he's still young like that's one of those like more reps could obviously help he didn't have those last year so that's uh intriguing even more for me so yeah i think he plays at least 130 games and if that's the case we're talking a 30 home run bat and i 100 agree like he could be catcher one would not surprise me that's one another reason why like even my love for william it's hard to go when i go 20 picks late, like two rounds later and get a yiner or at least a round later get a yiner okay and there's other guys obviously we'll talk about the position is stupid deep it's not even sarcasm anymore like it's been in years past it is stupid deep with a bunch of young dudes that could find their next level and it's really fun yeah, and Yiner's kind of on an island ADP-wise. So you just yeah. mentioned, yeah, it's a round or two later than William Contreras, Will Smith, JTR. Our next catcher doesn't go for another two rounds, and there's a a bunch of them that go around this 140 to, like, 160 range. It's a pocket. Um, so Yiner's kind of, like, the last um, one going around 100, and then you, you wait a little bit more. Speaking of that next one is a veteran in Salvador Perez, ADP of 138 uh, right now. Last year, 255 average, 23 homers, 140 games, 580 plate appearances. Uh, Steamers got him projected for a wonderful uh, 260 with 27 bombs. I don't deny the power, one iota. The thing I'm going to put out there, uh, if we're going to – because I think Salvi's like, – you mentioned the consistency of Will Smith. Salvi's pretty much as consistent as they come as well. Like There's a, a lot to be said about Salvi. The concern I'm going to tell right now is when you look at playing time last year, he played 91 of those games behind the plate of the 140 games. Freddie Fermin is very good. Obviously, Salvi's job to lose. He played 23 at first base because 
Vinny P was on the IL, and he DH for 29. Right now, Velasquez is the DH because he can't play defense. Obviously, I think they, you know, Salvi, Salvi, but Velasquez is power as well. So the question becomes when you draft Salvador Perez, how many games does he realistically catch? That's what you have to ask. He's 33, 34 years old. Um, eventually, that number is going to keep coming down to closer to, like I said, 91 last year. They let Fermin run with it, but that was because Salvi could play first. Just cross those out, assuming Vinny P is healthy, and that's 23 games. And then the DH situation. So that's the question you have there with Salvi. I think he's a good player. That's what makes it tough for me to draft him. What's your thoughts on Salvi Perez? Uh, I can tell you've done your research. <laughs> that's pretty well put, my man. Um, because you could, yeah, you could look at Salvi last year and say, this is a good thing that he played 91 games at catcher, 23 at first, 29 at DH. Um, but you're right. Like a lot of that was out of necessity, at least the mm -hmm. first base part. And with the changing roster in Kansas City, like you said, with with Velasquez at DH, like, I don't know. Um, so, yes, he can do it. But will he be asked to do it again is the question, especially when Salvador Perez is entering his age 34 uh, season. That said, Salvador Perez was on a 30 home run pace, hit 15 home runs in the first half last year, got really dinged up like in the middle of the year and just kind of limped to the finish in the second half. I do think from uh, I, we we all know the 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 2021 of 48 home runs, 273 batting average, like that ain't coming back. But last two years have been 255 and 23 homers each. Um, again, show me the difference between that and Adley Rutschman mm -hmm. going 80 picks earlier. Like yep. I think you're fine with Salvador Perez um, if you want to take him here, and I think it's actually smarter than going way early than on a. Uh, on Adley, but uh, yeah, there is a little bit more risk than before uh, for those reasons, Bubba, given the age and will, will Kansas city give him those opportunities at three different positions again? Yeah. And I just wanted to get those out there. I'm not saying don't dress Salvi. I think he's very, cause if they, they're going to want him out there as much as possible. Like for means really good, but he's their backup. Like if Salvi can catch 120 and DH 20, they'll do it in RP. I'm not saying they won't. It's just, you got to keep that in the back of your mind when you do draft him, just know age might catch up sooner than later. So keep that in mind. But I think he's if he can play 130 to 140 games, I think that's a great pick at 138. Very, where do you pick. where do you have him on your catcher rankings? Uh, my catcher rankings, I have Salvi number seven. Okay, and he's so, sixth by ADP. So yeah, so it's it's right around there. I'm just a little nervous. Um, and the big reason is the next guy I have as my fifth catcher off the board, and uh, or no, two guys from now, not the next guy. Two guys from now. We'll talk about the two guys from now in a minute. The next guy is Cal Raleigh. Uh, ADP of 142. Steamers got him at 231, 29, and 1. The power is undeniable when it comes to Cal Raleigh. I think we can all pretty much say that's what it is. The uh, It was always the batting average. Last year, he got up to 232 with 30 bombs. If he can do that uh, average-wise, 230-ish, I think he's awesome. To get that kind of power, that kind of uh, upside is great. Just know if he goes into a 200 slump, there's a lot of guys not going to hit you 30 homers, but other options, let's put it that way. So it's a risky pick, especially with some other guys around him. So I'm pretty much probably out on Cal, but I don't hate it if you want to. Yeah, I've got I've got Rally as a fade at the price just for like I, I prefer Perez. I prefer a couple guys we'll talk about next. Um, because Cal Raleigh, he's really the first like legitimate batting average drag at the position. Every every catcher we've talked about so far. Um, is projected to hit at least 250, up, upwards of 273, and then you've got Raleigh at 230. So, like, 
that power slips at all. And I don't really see yet much upside in that 230 batting average. Um, power slips at all. And I guess there's no real reason to think so. But like, there's just not much else to fall back on. Whereas these other guys that we just talked about, like Yiner Diaz, Will Smith, William Contreras, they can give you batting average. They're in good lineups. They play more often. Um, I just, I, I don't like Raleigh at the price given. I think there's the guys going before Raleigh are much better than him. And there's a few guys after Cal Raleigh that I think are just as good. And um, the DH is Garver, so they guess Garver could catch when Raleigh DHs, but there could also be days where Raleigh gets the day off because Garver's DHing because D- his defense isn't that great. So that's mm-hmm. another avenue. Like, I, I'm going to mention DH a ton with catcher because if you looked at it at all, a lot of these guys obviously are the main benefactors of the DH position in baseball. It's a, it's like, goal, it's, it's a weird, like catcher only almost type of analysis is, but it's important to see team context wise, how many of these guys DH or at least play elsewhere. Uh, Cause what? that extra like 50, 75 plate appearances, that matters a ton um, at the position. And that's why like we have so many more viable catchers is because <laughs> the main guy goes and DHs these guys catch. That's, that's just yeah. the, the nature of the beast out there. But I mentioned there's other guys I would like besides Salvi and Cal Raleigh, and that's Wilson Contreras. He's my fifth catcher on my board. I think Wilson is outstanding. Um, he's going to be 32 this year. Last year at 20 homers, hit 264, best average he's hit since 2019. But another 20 home run season for the fourth straight full season. He was banged up a ton. He's been banged up a lot though. That's been his bugaboo. Like that's probably why he's down compared to some other guys. But what I will say is the Cardinals have flat out said it already is they want to DH him more, which we'll see how it works because he caught 97 games last year in DH 30. Uh, last year with the Cubs in 2022, caught 72 games, DH 39. So since the DH has been in play, Contreras has been a big piece of that puzzle. And they want to get – I I'm, wouldn't be shocked if he gets closer to 40 DH games at least this year. One of the reasons is Yvonne Herrera, who we'll talk about later in the show, is a very good young catcher, which they are confident in putting back there in St. Louis. These are all things I've read and listened to. So um, Wilson Contreras, I think another 20-plus homers, good batting average. And if he can just stay healthy a little more, could put up numbers that you're expecting out of the guys towards the you know top half of the uh, top ten. Yep, and I think along the lines of Salvador Perez, along the lines of JT Realmuto and Will Smith, just like rock-solid consistency from Wilson Contreras. Um, yes, he's being dinged up, but he also has three years in a row of 480 plus plate appearances, uh, three years in a row of 20 plus home runs, even steals a little bit, like stole six bags last year, projected for five. Like that, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. So mm-hmm. um, one of the more well-rounded catchers on a lineup that I think is going to be just fine around him. And what to what you were just saying, Bubba, on a team that I think will play him not only at catcher, but also at DH. So, yes, I like Wilson Contreras quite a bit. I, I, I won't go on as far on a limb and say he'll he'll be the best Contreras catcher no, he won't in 2024, be. but uh, I think he can get pretty close to his brother, Yeah, to be Having honest. Top five, you. so two Contreras is in the top five, sound pretty good to me. Like, I'll live yep. with that. Yep. Um, the next guy, the ninth catcher off the board here in the, uh, in the ADP at 148, right behind Wilson Contreras, is Francisco Alvarez. And this guy is a conundrum to me. The power, super legit. I'm not going to deny that at all. 25 bombs in 123 games last year. But he hit 209. And those plate skills do concern me because he's hit okay throughout the minors, but there's also been some a lot of swing and miss. And some usually he walks a ton, didn't walk as much 
last year in his first season. Obviously, a lot can change. He was 21 years old last year. Not going to deny that one bit. But it's one of those with like these other proving commodities going around him. Uh, just the way my mind thinks, I'm not taking that chance. But I've heard many smart people say, you know, if he takes that next step, it's a 30 home run guy, all these things. I get it. How are you evaluating Francisco Alvarez? Because I just, I can't, can't get there yet. I mean, you know, you know, our draft styles, we want to see it first. And so like, I, yeah, I'm probably not taking, like I'm, I'm taking Wilson Contreras over Alvarez all day. There's a 280p difference between the two. Um, it's interesting that the, the, the 222 Babbitt last year. So like, that's why Alvarez hit, you know, what he hit. Um, exactly. Like, so the question is, so each player does establish their own personal Babbitt like baseline. And we don't really know what that is yet with Francisco Alvarez. It could be really bad because he is a catcher. Um, not the fastest guy in the world, yada, yada. Um, projected for 232 so we're we're saying he's gonna uh, yeah, at least steamer saying he's gonna improve a little bit there but like i don't know i just he, he looks he he's very similar to like cal raleigh for me except 100%. cal raleigh's done it and he's done it multiple times and so it's just the way that i draft i'm gonna if if i were to go if i need if i had a batting average cushion needed like elite power at catcher i would take raleigh over Alvarez knowing that Alvarez probably has a higher ceiling but 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 a lower floor yeah it's a it's a perfect comp they're the same player but one's done it before they're six picks apart <laughs> so like if you want to take a chance on Alvarez fine but Raleigh's done it like I've, I've seen people say you can't pencil in the power from I'm like well he's done it a few times I think I can pencil in at least something respectable like I'm pretty confident in that regard um whereas Alvarez yes it was there and yes it was only like an 100 and you know whatever games but uh, i'm still kind of got to prove it to me situation son i need a full season out of you to see how it goes but we'll see it could happen the 10th and final catcher in the top 10 of this adp conundrum is one sean murphy because he is a conundrum um adp of 150 and i think most know my thoughts on sean murphy by now at 251 21 homers the dude was great when he was the starting catcher there's this guy named Travis Darno that the the Braves really like. That's why when they paid him, I was like, guys, this is a problem. And they were like, no, it's not. And then he got hurt, and Murphy was great. And then Darno came back, and it was a problem again. Um, so to me, as long as Darno's there, Murphy's just almost untouchable for me at, at this range of prices. He only played in 108 games last year, and he only DH'd in five of them, folks. So it's catcher or bust for Sean Murphy. And with Travis Darno there, it's bust at this price. So I'm just out on Sean Murphy. One thing I don't know, and I don't think anyone knows, anyone will know because the Braves are so tight lipped. They don't even, they don't even tell the media about their transactions. They just announce it themselves. They're the only club that does that. Is how hurt was Sean Murphy in the second half last year? And I actually got a DM from one of our listeners, Dennis Timko, and we and we pointed this out in the forecaster as well that uh, that Murphy had a, a pretty bad hamstring injury like pretty much halfway through the season never went on the il but he missed five games so it was one of those where it was like very close uh to going on the il decided not to you you just wonder like was he hurt in the second half because that's really the only thing that could explain the difference in sean murphy's first and second half 14 home runs hit 295 in the first half second half hit 190 with seven um 
253 plate appearances in the first half, 185 in the second half. So if you, I'm taking the optimistic side of this coin since you're obviously that pretty pretty down on Sean Murphy, but like, what if this was injury related in the second half and that that not only drove the the worst performance, but also just an extra day off per week here or there. That's why the plate appearances were down in the second half. Um, if you, if you believe that, or if maybe that's kind of your reason to getting in on Sean Murphy, I could see, I mean, that first half, I'm not going to extrapolate the homers and, and batting average, but he was on a 500 plate appearance pace, which in, in that Atlanta's lineup is, is really damn good. So um, I'm, I'm higher on Sean Murphy than you are. I think Sean Murphy's a better pick than Francisco Alvarez and Cal Raleigh going just ahead of him. Uh, because I do think there was some kind of injury related thing going on there. He also got hit in the head, I think in August uh, that, that happened too. So just a couple things that happened that second half that I don't think it was all just Darno like taking things away from him. The first half was, was glorious and there was, there was enough playing time there. I, I might've missed you saying it. Did you say when the hamstring injury took place? Late June, right? Halfway oh. through the season. Because I'm pulling up Travis Darnotes' game logs for fun before he went on the IL in April. He missed about a month from April to May. Uh, he played – Darnotes played every day in April, and but either at catcher or DH until – and it was every other day catcher, every other day DH until he yeah. got hurt. Yeah. And then he, came, then he came back and he played basically every two days um, all the way through the rest of the season. So I'm like I, I see your argument. I get your argument, but before the injury was the same situation. That was where it was still murky. And, and Darno was hurt in the first half when yes, that's Murphy my point. was getting his play. Yeah, because before, like the first like few weeks before he got hurt, it was still that rotation was already in play. Because See I what remember, happens when you debate yeah. Bubba with with catchers here. It's like well, the one show happens. is going to happen. Because I, I just remember it very clearly because I remember jokingly tweeting out like in – Week two or week three, like, hey, is Sean Murphy droppable? Everyone's like, you're crazy, you're crazy. Oh, like, but he's not playing. And then, like, a, the next day is when Travis gets hurt, and then Murphy just goes on his barrage. And then I brought that tweet back up to life when, Tra when Travis came back, basically, because it started over again. So could be totally wrong. Could just be a thing. It just concerns me a, a bunch at that point. So I get it. We'll see. All right, let me remove this banner real quick so we can see everything. We're, we're going to do 11 through 22 guys each. Oh, we can still see it. We're good. Um, we got Gabriel Moreno, Bo Naylor, Logan Ohapi, Kyber Ruiz, Jonah Heim, Luis Campisano, Mitch Garber, Tyler Stevenson, Shay Langoliers, and Ryan Jeffers rounds out your top 20, I think. Yeah, well, sort of. Yeah, I must have screwed up when I did mine. But um, we'll go with that for now. Can you give me your, your <laughs> first guy in your 11 through 20 range? See, we're 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 hashing through the format of these previews. I think we just picked different dates. We'll we uh, different ADP dates, yeah. We'll 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 get our dates right for the first base episode. Um. All right, so eleven through twenty. My favorite pick in this range is Jonah Heim. It's Jonah Heim, for a few reasons. Um, I believe so. It, it's kind of funny. Similar, we were just talking about Sean Murphy first and second half. Uh, Jonah Heim like fell apart in the second half. They hit 223, six home runs, um, but strained his wrist in late July. I have to think that was a factor for Jonah Heim and his kind of struggle down the stretch. The first half numbers for Jonah Heim were just elite, and really the the total year numbers were were pretty damn good. 
there is no uh i would say major threat like there's no mitch garver uh waiting there i know garver's not the best defensive catcher but uh he was a factor playing time wise in texas so i think heim is going to be the primary catcher get like 500 plate appearances in that lineup with uh pretty good contact rates pretty good power like i don't I don't if you're playing the game where you can, you know, get these stats three or four rounds later, what might be the difference between like Jonah Heim and Wilson Contreras? Maybe a few mm-hmm. more steals for Wilson Contreras. And Jonah Heim's going 175. So I think Jonah Heim's a uh, a great pick uh where he's going. And the last thing I'll say is there are only a couple guys available after Jonah Heim at 174 but before this position just completely falls off a cliff so it's one of your last few chances to get what i think is a really good catcher uh late in the draft yeah he's 15th by adp he's my catcher 12 i I love him a lot i had him higher uh, at first um rankings about a month or so ago dropped him down just a little bit just because i kind of started to see some other guys i liked a little more uh for certain reasons but i do like jonah i'm a ton and I think there's definitely, I agree with pretty much everything you had to say there. So 100% on board with that. Ryan was kind enough to leave me my pretty much my this year's William Contreras, Yiner Diaz type dude that's going to take a, dramatic, a gigantic bump. I've said it before. I think I compared him to Yiner Diaz, but at least we kind of know more about him this year. He's getting drafted like Diaz was an afterthought unless you're in a DC last year. But Bo Naylor, huge fan of Bo, ADP around 165 right now. Um, I've talked about him a ton, but 11 homers and five steals hit 237 in 67 games between AAA and the bigs. He had 24 bombs, seven steals. Um, what I really, really loved about Bo Naylor last year was the splits as he got comfortably at 252 in the second half of the season, uh, 10 of his 11 home runs, you know, 147 at bats compared to 51, but the average part stood out to me a ton. He developed, uh, that skill quite a bit, which we knew as a prospect, that's who he was, like what he could do. He also walked a boatload more, like a 9% walk rate to almost like 14.5% walk rate in the second half. WRC plus was up to 145, which is elite when it averages 100. ISO 279, like so many things to like about Bo Naylor's just improvements in the second half of the season that uh, really, really got me interested on Bo. And, you know, the quality of contact metrics are pretty strong. The dude can run. Like this is like what people wanted Dalton Varsho to be, this is him. Um, this could be your next, I don't know if he's got the power JTR has, but you're talking speed, average power combos. This is your dude. Uh, I think he will run. The Guardians do run. You got Jimenez. You got um, Quan runs a little bit. You got J-Ram. Like they will run. So that's a big thing as well. Um, so I, I like I like uh, Bo Naylor quite a bit. Uh, obviously, he's um, like – 13th or 14th on this board. I don't know what Bloomfield. Oh, he's got a rolling graft to even yeah, show throw the this on there in the middle of the thing. Yeah, look at this. Uh, and uh, I'll let you talk about that here in a second. But I have Bo Naylor as my eighth catcher off the board. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to have him higher, but I'm also a realist on my okay, tone it back just a little bit. But I love Bo this year. I'm trying to get him in pretty much every draft. So appreciate you all. Um, what I threw on here, it's kind of tough with these rolling graphs on fan graphs. But I like to look at a lot, especially for younger players. I don't do this for established guys because I think you can kind of look into tiny windows of players and get into trouble with tiny samples. But I feel like for Bo Naylor, it's, you know, I mean, he's adjusting to the big league game. 
And Roland Glaff of his strikeout rate, again, for those watching in blue, you can see that kind of go way, way down in the second half um, as Bo Naylor was getting adjusted, while also in the red, hitting the ball harder as he went on through the season. So, um, Bubba, I know you're you're big on, especially for, for prospects, that growth and development as they kind of get that first uh, cup of coffee in the majors. Um, Bo Naylor, like, adjusted very well to major league pitching so i um i totally get it the steamer projection is like 230 14 homers seems but extremely then, low and catchers and we'll, i'll say this now because i didn't really say it but i said like with yiner diaz the number was low catchers is one of those where you could tweak i remember when dalton varsho at one time because he would play catcher and outfield that was super low they have bonita playing 91 games um yeah. that ain't happening folks because let me just pull up to make sure i have this accurate but for one, Bonet is the starting catcher, so he's going to play at least 120-plus, might DH some. The backup catcher is Austin Hedges. So unless Bo Naylor's offense completely falls off a cliff that sends him back to AAA, he's playing, I'd say, five days a week. I you think that's mean, pretty fair. You mean Austin Hedges, who hit one home run? In two hundred, one eighty four with one home run and two hundred twelve plate appearances. Austin Hedges is a great defensive catcher. That's a glue guy in the oh. locker room. That's what Austin Hedges is there for. He's yep. he's probably there to teach Bo Naylor how to play better defense. That's a hundred percent why he's there. He ain't there. He's not like the Astros where they're going to play Maldonado because he plays great defense. Bo Naylor's going to be hitting in the middle of that order every single day that he can be out there. So that ninety one game production bump it to at least I'll be timid and say one twenty. It's a one thirty to one forty for me. And that just that's where you get the 2010 type upside, maybe 2015 if things roll right with an average. Like he's gonna be a five category dude for the catcher. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Bo Naylor. I do think that's a big takeaway of this show uh tonight, not just player specific, but if you use projection systems or you rely on some kind of ranking for these catchers, like take a take another look. Uh we've been talking about guys who might DH or guys who just seem too low on playing time standpoint. I think catchers, it's a lot of a lot of playing time projections can be off on these guys in a huge way. Who's your second guy in this range? Uh, who is my second guy? Mitch Garver. Mitch Garver. Mitch Garver. Um, didn't like love the landing spot for Seattle from a park standpoint, but they pretty much said Mitch Garver is going to be the full-time DH, um, which is great for two things. Like one, obviously he has a regular job. And so that helps. But two, Mitch Garver, like the 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 thing with Mitch Garver is he gets hurt all the time, no matter what. And I'm not going to sit here and say moving Mitch Garver to DH will uh, protect him enough so that he won't get hurt. He still has to swing a bat really hard, run yada yada. Um, but that was Seattle's kind of thinking: is to try and shield Mitch Garver, keep him healthy by keeping him in that DH role. And um, if you if if we ever did get if we ever do get a healthy season from Mitch Garver, I think the, I mean, the fantasy ceiling is massive. Mitch Garver, this ADP is probably uh, too low, 207. I'm sure he's probably going earlier now that he has signed. But, like, Mitch Garver is uh, the last. Like, your your next catchers off the board are Tyler Stevenson, Shea Langoliers. Like, this is the point in the draft, the last possible point in the draft where I think you can take like a a, a good serviceable catcher um, in 15-team leagues and before you're kind of doing the scrap heap. So Mitch Garver, for all those reasons, the skills, the the playing time protection 
in Seattle and just where he's going in the market. Um, seems like this is the place you need to get him. Yeah, and he's another guy. Like, if you believe he plays a ton with the DH, which I think we kind of both do, um, why spend the equity on a Francisco Alvarez for his power and you can get Mitch Garber later? Like, that's just kind of an yeah. argument. I know you might not get a couple things that, like, if Francisco goes off at the same time, what you could draft at Francisco's draft price and get Garber later, pretty sweet. So I think that's a, a trade-off as well. Yep, absolutely. All right, my second guy in this range going around 165 ADP is Logan Ohapi. Um, I'm a gigantic fan of his. We were in on him last year also. Um, he's he's the 13th catcher off the board in NFPC ADP. He's ninth on my list, uh, right behind Bo Naylor. I, I, we talked about when I got him in one of our drafts. I got both of them. I was just like, if I could leave every draft with those two, I'd be ecstatic. And and what I really love about Ohapi is he had, there was high expectations going into last year because of the talent when he got traded over from Philadelphia and all those things, but he backed it up before he got hurt. Uh, he played, you know, from three uh, March 30th, he got hurt on April 20th. But then that set the games hit 283, four home runs. Um, those were all big. One thing also is, you know, almost 13% barrel rate, 44% hard hit rate over that set of time. And then, you know, a drastic, like a horrific injury that most thought he wouldn't come back from. But similar like the Bo Naylor thing, the fact he came back gets me excited to what we could possibly see with uh, Logan Ohapi because he returned on August 18th and came back. And it was a very slow start. You could tell he was kind of feeling it out. But still, by the end of it, 217, 10 home runs. That was the big thing for me. The power came back with shoulder-type injuries. You get really concerned with the power. Like, he looked comfortable starting in, in, in September. So let's just take that stat line for fun. Um, September 8th on, he had 270 with eight bombs. Um, that is tremendous. That, that basically started, you know, 22% barrel rate, 47% hard hit rate. He was mimicking his start to the season before he got hurt, which is what I wanted to see from Logan O'Hoppy. I think he's as legit as they come. Angels team is much, much in flux, as one would say, but the dude should play in the middle of that order pretty much every day. So I think getting later in the drafts as your catcher one or even a catcher two is pretty sweet with Logan O'Hoppy. Sense an angel stack with O'Hoppy and Rangifo for you this year. Rangifo, a little um, get some Brandon Drury while you're out there late in drafts. I, I could I could dig it. I could dig it. Maybe maybe I'll do a uh, an underdog like that, even though catchers pretty much suck for the most part. An underdog, but I don't know if you want to do that. But. I don't think I want to suspect sus, suspect myself to that. All right, let's do a couple deeper guys. Uh, ADP twenty one or deeper. I cheated and have ADP of twenty. But what do you? Uh, who's your first guy here? Because I think this one can be sneaky for a few reasons. Yeah. Um... I mean, just in general, like this is this is where it gets tough. Like this is why I'm taking two catchers out of like the first 18 ish. Um, but if you need a catcher this late, I like Connor Wong, who um, is one of the few catchers who will steal. Mm-hmm. He has so he's uh, Connor Wong stole eight bags in 400 plate appearances last year with an 80% success rate. He has the gig in Boston. Um, and I don't know, like he's got, he's, he's got some pop hit like two thirty. I mean, there's, there's not, there's nothing like great with Connor Wong, but I think there's just enough, like he, he plays, he's well-rounded enough that if you're going to wait, I think compared to some of the other guys, uh, there's some of these projected stat lines are really rough, but, uh, but I think Connor Wong is, is one of the few guys who can turn a profit this late in drafts. 
Yeah, a fun thing I, I like with Wong, and just to, to prove how much I think he's not a complete joke, I have him as my 30th guy. I've thought about teetering with that, but um, he's going to play. Like, I played 121 games at catcher last year. One thing I like about him a lot, besides I think it's awesome to be able to get steals that late at catcher, that's like almost like a unicorn thing, like you mentioned. Yep. yep. Played four games at second base last year. They will put him around the diamond because he's like more athletic than you think. So he's he will get you random at bats. Like I remember, um, he like even at one game they they put like Reese McGuire behind the dish and they double switched and moved Juan to second base to keep him in. Like it was they they will play him is my point. So you're gonna get as you get farther down the the catcher list, you start seeing a lot more platoon guys, a lot more where you are pumped if your guy plays a hundred games. Like that is a great thing. Connor Wong is gonna play one twenty to one thirty, which is a big boost as well. If you can figure out how to hit it all, there's a, there's there is some upside there. I think it's very, very interesting is my point. Shares my birthday. Well, see, even know more that. reason. Even Look more reason. Happy birthday to the both of you. I'll remember that next time. All right. I don't, I don't know. So Ryan Jeffers, I have him here as 22. He must have been 20 on your list like somehow, but we're, we're cool. Uh, Ryan Jeffers, ADP around 255, 260-ish. He's like my last resort kind of right now. I'm yeah. probably higher on him than a few others. But played 96 games last year, most of his career. He's usually been a career backup. Um, now he's the dude in Minnesota. 14 homers last year, 276. Like projections have him at 85 games played, 14 3 and 233. That ain't right. He's going to be the, the guy there because your other options in Minnesota are not ideal. Uh, by any means, Christian Vasquez isn't the guy anymore. Let's just put it that way. He's like, in case of emergency, break glass in Minnesota. It's Ryan Jeffers' job. And Ryan Jeffers is going to be 27. He's still young. It feels like for some reason he's been around a while. But he's had he had that almost 12% barrel rate last year. That's the lowest of his career. So he's always barreled the ball well. He had a 117.4 max EV, by far the best of his career. A near 43% hard hit rate has always been above 40, almost 42%. The dude has really, really good contract met, contact metrics. And I think there's, um, you know, you talk about a potential 20 home run guy here. I think this is one of them for sure. Uh, he's a heavy fly ball guy, uh, so depends on how that'll play in Minnesota. Sometimes it goes well when it, during the summer, early in the season, not so much. But if you give me a, a full set of uh, you know one ten to one twenty, I think there's probably one twenty ish in him. I like uh, I like Ryan Jeffers quite a bit. Yeah, I think I think you picked the this group before I did on our sheet. Yes, I so did. I would have I would have taken Jeffers um, over Wong and and my next guy as well. Don't. Uh, Ryan Jeffers hit 276 last year. Don't don't go don't expecting that, that no. given how often he strikes out and hits the ball in the air. But I agree, like 25 home runs, 2025 in that lineup. Um, I think I think is attainable. Um, he's only 20. For some reason, I feel like Ryan Jeffers. Yeah, so he's been backing up is. guys forever. But yeah. no, he hasn't been. He's my catcher 17, so I do like him quite a bit. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. uh, that's. Very high compared to ADP. Yep, I like um, it. Uh, who is your second guy here? Because obviously I have a lot of shares of this guy. I mean, I don't even like this guy. I just had to pick a second guy. Um, I'm just trying to track it down a little bit. Patrick Bailey, I guess. Because, again, at this point in the draft, you're just looking for someone who's going to play. And Patrick Bailey is the Giants starting catcher. Uh, better defensive catcher than than offense. If he was as good offensively as he is defensively, he'd be an elite friggin' uh, fantasy catcher. But I just think someone who's going to play every day and who at least showed a pulse um, in his rookie season last year. So I don't think there's really any 
playing time threat. I think I think Patrick Bailey has like 15 to 20 home run power. Uh, probably only going to hit like 220, 230. So again, nothing special here, but you're just looking for regular playing time. And I think Patrick Bailey gets that for you by being just good enough as to not hurt you, which is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel great about it, but yeah. Um, again, projection to lamb for 98 games. He's the everyday catcher in San Francisco. And the one thing I'll say is, um, he flat out came out and said he got tired. It's the most games he's ever played in his career. Yeah. And you can see his September numbers dropped a ton. So like I cut off his September stats and what he did through the end of August, dude hit 257 with seven home runs. Um, I, I think there's definitely something there that that's worth looking at and enjoying. It's the Giants offense. So you get what you get there. That's what kind of brings it down, but he will play his defense is really good. So he'll be out there a ton. So it's a lot of at bats later in the draft. Yvonne Herrera is my other guy kind of mentioned him briefly talking about Wilson Contreras. I love the skill set of this guy. And so do the Cardinals. Um, there's a reason they got rid of uh, Kisner. They let him go. They're like, we trust uh, Herrera to be the backup this year. Uh, maybe I'm overthinking it, but the dude hit 297 in 13 games. He had 297 in 83 triple A games where he had 10 homers and 11 steals in triple A. Now this is obviously a speculation thing because Contreras is still the guy, but if somehow anything were to happen to Contreras, or they really move him to a heavier DH role where now Herrera can play like 70 or 80 games. This is really pure speculation stuff, of course. The hit tool is great. So I love him in draft and holds. If not, definitely if it's kind of like, you know, last year we talked about you can stream catchers. Herrera's a dude. You can stream if the, the opportunity comes along. So I wanted to bring him up because right now his ADP is like 465. Uh, he's 33rd catcher off the board. He's better than that. It's just a matter he's not playing because Wilson's in the way, which rightfully so. So keep an eye on Herrera. If the opportunity knocks, this dude's worth picking up for your fantasy season. As you were saying that, I was thinking he could maybe handcuff Herrera with Wilson Contreras, but Herrera's going a little early for catcher handcuffs. But uh, I, a mutual friend, Matt Thompson, I know is very high on Yvonne Herrera, yeah. and he knows the Cardinals inside and out. So uh, I like it. And, and like you said, like, I feel like this could be somebody who, you know, in June when Wilson Contreras is on the IL with something, right. like this is one of those catcher streamers that you could that could be very good for you and not cost you much. Yep. I like it. Yeah, uh, Contreras had multiple IL slash. He's out for like a couple weeks at a time, but not on the IL moment. So Herrera will get his. Like, let me just for fun, because Herrera played 13 games last year. Uh, let me see how many Kisner played. Why can't I find him now? I probably can't even spell it properly. K-N-I-Z. That's what I did, and it wasn't coming up. There it is. It came up that time. Like I, just, I so typed that it didn't work. Uh, he played 70 games. So you can buy the Herrera's. It's 83 games. Like If you give me 70 Herrera games, like that plays. That plays yeah. for sure. So um, I think that's interesting. Joe Rico's in the chat saying the fat man in Toronto will have his revenge. Yes, Rico is very big on Alejandro Kirk. I'm very big on Danny Jansen if he can stay healthy. Like the skill set for Jansen. Yeah, we, we didn't touch on any uh, Toronto guys, but yeah, it's just they're too tough. They're too like Jansen's the guy, but he gets hurt all the time. So Kirk becomes the guy, but he disappointed. Like there's just a lot going on there. A lot. And I think especially there. now, like in draft season, I know we're previewing 2024, but like a, a lot of the drafts right now are like best balls draft and holds. Um, I'm trying to go with with guys who have a little bit more health history than Jansen Kirk, but no, and that's why we kind of. 
Well, that's why we focus on like the top ten and stuff. So like that'll be legit redraft stuff. Like, you don't have to worry about drafting holds when it comes to these potential dudes. Um, yeah. Before we go to listener questions, like what's your overall thought on the position when you're coming into draft day and whatnot? What are you? What are your thoughts on looking at uh, the catcher position? So I've got a like clear top. 17 18 maybe if i throw in ryan jeffers which sounds like i probably should given what you were saying um in 15 team leagues i want two of those 18 because i just think that the catcher cliff yes it's a deep position um but like catchers 20 plus i know we kind of laid out laid out the the cases for some of these guys but it gets it gets rough kind of quick so um what I'm looking at is getting probably my first catcher, either like the JTR, William Contreras, Geiner Diaz, if you're going to go in the top 100. But then you could certainly wait till like 150 and get one of um, uh, get one of Wilson Contreras, Sean Murphy, Bo Naylor. Uh, if if Salvador Perez falls, I think that's fine. They wait till then to your first catcher. Um, just don't wait too late for your second one because it gets uh, real bad. I, I know in fab leagues you can do that a little bit because uh, streaming catchers is, is definitely a thing. In the last few years, you've been big on this, Bubba, um, is is getting catchers off waivers. So I think that's fine. But uh, but yeah, just be aware of that, that, that cliff at the position. Yeah, for me, there's two approaches I've been using in drafts, and I plan on – fine-tuning come draft day because I've listened to some very, very talented NFC players that either go heavy catcher or not catchers. I look at their philosophies, how it plays out, and here's my logic behind what I plan on doing. It's either there's like 16, 17 guys, like you're saying, that I trust as my two catchers. I want to get at least one by that Naylor O'Hoppy area and then maybe one pretty quickly, like double tap almost to like secure things. Obviously, there's risk involved due to injuries and youth because they're young. They could go the other direction. Like we're we're hoping for the better. That could go the other way. That's reality. The second option, get one of my guys. Like rarely does it have me taking an early. Like I love William. I love Yiner. Yiner, I could see at 100 ish. Love Wilson. Wilson's probably the first one at like 150 ish. Like you said, I love those guys up top. Haven't I need to like tinker with that some more to see how I like it. What I could see is going with that Naylor O'Hoppy range. Getting one of them. And then just telling myself I'm going to stream my second catcher because going deeper at the position, there are guys I like a lot. It's just so many question marks. We didn't talk about Luis Campisano. I think he's a stud. I really do. I think he's really good. Tyler Stevenson is disappointed, <laughs> but the skill set's still decent that maybe he bounces back and get him at a heck of a discount. You mentioned Bailey, the, the Toronto duo. The Toronto duo are phenomenal for redrafts. Jansen and Kirk, phenomenal redrafts because they don't pan out. You drop them, you move on. Those are the streaming things I'm talking about. So if I decide I want to just wait till super late for my second catcher, it's an option. Just kind of have a game plan, I guess, if that makes any sense at all. Don't make it two of them. Make it one. So it's take one early and then just wait till one of your last picks. That's what some very successful guys in OCs at least and 12-teamers have done. Take like a pretty good guy. And then you almost wait till like your last pick or your second. That's all you treat almost like a defense and a catcher and a kicker with your catcher too. And you just know for a fact you're either going to strike gold, like all of a sudden maybe Danny Jansen turns into a beast, or you drop him and you go get Ivan Herrera or someone else as the season goes on and you play that game. So just it's because the, the reason I think the streaming options interesting, be, not just because there's been many options in recent years, you can get catchers for like a buck or two. We're at other positions when you stream, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. So when it comes to your fab dollars to like save till the end game, 
That's streaming catchers point. is a lot cheaper than streaming relievers, streaming starting pitchers, and, and trying to do that deal. So instead of wasting is the wrong word, but using a pick higher up for a catcher where you can get an SP3, a closer two, stuff in those lines, taking your catcher too late and just playing the dollar game, a lot cheaper in the long run. It's Sorry. a good point on it. In, in fact, the catchers do, do seem to be pretty cheap week in and week out. So you don't need to spend much fab on these guys. And we can talk, well, we'll talk about catchers on our fab show. Like <laughs> I can, people might hate me by the end of, by it, but I could make, make a point. <laughs> you can be a week early on catchers for a buck if you're just churning your roster. And if it doesn't, if all of a sudden they're not playing, you drop them. It's not going to crush you like other positions. So um, it's the game you can play. Like, like we try to like get weeks or two ahead on relievers. You can do it with catchers too, because you can kind of see riding on the wall. Or different things coming up where there's potential if that makes any sense at all so something to think about there as well all right let's talk questions from the listeners you guys came through with a handful of pretty awesome questions here and let's start with uh futures bet thoughts on a good option for a one dollar ten team in a lonely uh catcher thinking about being the last team to get a catcher is that a bad idea thanks guys and you asked them it's a one catcher Five by five OBP instead of average in all only league. So one catcher OBP in all only 10 teams, uh, 10 teams, one so catcher. That's so 15, 15 catchers available basically. Oh, you said, oh, okay. There's a so 10 team 15 league, national league teams. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, so you could get like a Kiebert Ruiz, which I have zero problem with if you can get them cheap. I did I don't know if any of them are going to go for a buck, though, in that kind of format. Like Patrick Bailey would be your dollar, probably, is my guess. Yeah. I'd rather it's, go a little more than that. It's funny. The guys we talked about in that range, Bo Naylor, Logan O'Hoppy, Heim, oh, yeah, Garver, all AL, Jeffers, mm-hmm. Jansen Kirk. God. Like Luis Campisano for a buck I'd be cool with. Um, yeah. Like Campisano, Stevenson, uh, Elias Diaz. Uh, those are your and like B- B- Bailey, those are your dollar guys. Gone Gomes, like I don't hate them, just know you might have to churn and burn at the bottom there. But if you want to, it's not the end of the world. I guess it, I guess it all depends. Like, where are you allocating your funds to elsewhere in your NL only format? By by ADP, your eighth and ninth NL only catchers are Kiebert Ruiz and Luis Camposano. I think if you can get those guys for like a buck, uh, just because that's the replacement level for catcher in, in a lot of leagues, I think. I, I do think that makes sense. And yeah. for uh, for leagues that are one catcher leagues, um, I definitely, because we both said there's like whatever, 16, 18 catchers we really like. Um, I think waiting in one catcher leagues is, is, is always a good idea because the replacement level is that much higher in one catcher leagues. You're not, you're not scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yep. Yep. I have no problem doing that. And even in a only format, I'm fine with that because there'll be tons of replacement value at that point in time. Our buddy calling my shot says, first, happy catcher day, Bubba. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are some big surprises comparing projected money value versus ADP using the fan graph auction calculator. Steamer project uses steamer projections for the calculator, 15 team, two catcher format. Um, I can already tell you a lot of it's me playing time based right out the gate. So you guys might hate me by the end of this. But first one, do you agree with Steamer that uh, Gabriel Moreno is better than JTR? No. What? Yeah, that's what that's what the steamer projections have when you look at the calculator. JTR is better. Moreno's gonna be very good though. I, I think he's he's just behind that uh, Naylor O'Hoppy range for me of young guys coming on on them there. But I'm worried about the power. JTR is my number one catcher. So yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Bo Naylor outside the top twenty is a is 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 baloney. I'll just that, say that. That's like out. a that's that's a that's a shot. It's that's not even my shot. that's not even my bias. That that's that's a guy that's projected to play ninety one games. That's what that is. Bubba just keeled over in pain. No, there's no one. pain. I'll stand up. I'll puff my chest down and say, "Steamer, come here. We got to talk." And I will say this about the projections: in the next one or two uh, adjustments they make, they eventually slowly get the catcher thing figured out. But that's one of the early ones you can you can pinpoint. Uh, they have Sal Perez as a top three catcher. I think that's a little too rich. What about you? I could see it happening, but I wouldn't project it. If that makes sense. And then the last week says they have Compisano over Ohapi and Heim. I, yeah, I could, that I could see. I could, I could see, see it. Because Compisano is that good. Like, we've talked about him before. He was one of the better waiver wire ones last year. The hit tool is pretty freaking good. Um, it's just health for him has been a big issue early on in his career. Yep. Uh, Michael C., one, what is your favorite of these three guys going in a similar range? Bo Naylor, Jonah Heim, or Logan Ohapi? I will go Jonah Heim and, and probably bar bet your Bo Naylor. Yeah, I'll take Bo Naylor. What do you want the bet to be? I don't know. We'll think. <laughs> that I will say that that's a that's a and and you've you kind of mentioned that before, Bob. But that's a nice pocket to pick from. Oh yeah, like, I think that's where you want to choose from. Is, if is you can double bet. tap there and you don't want to play the streaming game, that's what you want. Like <laughs> yep. that's a happy range right there. Yep. Like honestly, it's one of those. If you want the lazy answer, take whichever the last one's left. Like I'd be cool. With any of them, even Bo Naylor love aside, they're all really good options, I think. Like, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if Logan O'Hoppy is the best out of the three. Like, oh, the tools, yeah. The, I mean, the yeah, tools the he's order, shown are really good. Fully agree. Fully yeah, agree. so that, that's a really good range. Really good range. Uh, he says, is Langoliers undervalued? Isn't he Raleigh Light going 100 picks later? I agree with that. Um, uh, a lot of powers, no average. At least, at least Raleigh's shown average. I don't know if Langoliers ever going to show average. Langoliers yeah, might be Francisco I, Alvarez Light. I mean, define light like the like power real and he, light, and he plays a ton. Yeah, which, um, which affects you more in the batting average department. I don't. Know. I guess Langoliers did hit twenty-two homers last year, but like, uh, I just can't get over the park in the freaking lineup. But yeah, I could see. I could say Cal Raleigh light because yeah. I mean, the price is nowhere near what, what yeah, 100 picks going. later, the power is insane. Like, I get that part, at least. But, like, Langoliers hit 205, 206 the last two seasons. Like, yeah. that's that's getting into territory where, I mean, the catchers don't play enough to where it really, really hurts, but that's... It, it could know. start to really, really hurt with him. Yeah. He, plays a, he plays a lot compared to other catchers. Um, and then he says, favorite post-300 ADP, Bailey, Fermin, Pinto, etc. Uh, I'll go Connor Wong, 330 ADP. Well, I like that Connor Wong call for sure. Um, I mentioned, um, I mentioned Herrera. I like if you want to get it starting, I've always got a soft spot for Jan Gomes. If you want to go there, as long as he's the guy in uh, in in Chicago, that that's a good one too. There's always Jan Gomes. There's always, always Gomes. he's always there, always hanging around. Uh, big John Stud, John Legesa, John L. One of Our the buddy. few distinguished guests of, on Bubba and the Blue. Yes. There's only been like less than 10 humans on earth who have guested yes. on the show. Big John L is one and hope to get him on again shortly. Yes, that's the plan. He says, do you agree with the step back in power for Yainar Diaz? He says, I'm not for what it's worth. No, I don't. It's not a step back. It's plain time. <laughs> Yainar yeah. Diaz will hit yeah. close to 25 to 30 bombs. Yep. 
Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, he says he hit 23 and 377 plate appearances last year as a 25-year-old, fully supported by 12% barrel, and he pulls elevated batted balls, plus 13% fly ball to line drive. Yeah, we're, we're with you, Big John. Take the power and run. Our Especially buddy, in that ballpark. With, you know, that, that short with the porch. short porch. Right-handed hitter, like – like, like I said, Yiner Diaz, my bold take is he's the number one catcher this year. So I, I think that's very valuable. I'm not going to argue that one. But uh, our buddy Drew through underscore Dorte, the OC overall champion in 2023. Which catchers earn more plate appearances than currently projected by Steamer? Almost all of them. I think I, I think pretty I'll much say Bo Naylor. I think I pretty much clowned on all of them. Diaz, Naylor, um, Ohapi. Patrick Bailey, um, pretty much everyone we talked about, I could probably go down the list and would argue for seventy five percent of them. <laughs> a legit conversation, at least. Yeah, and I, if I go through and I, and fully knowing that, I mean, someone of a peek behind the curtain, that the, the the playing time projection from Fangraphs isn't from Steamer. That's it's from Roster Resource. Um, they do give credit to Adley and William Contreras. Uh, Contreras projected for 627 plate appearances. Adley Rutschman, uh, 634. So, like, those seem pretty legit. Um, number three is, well, MJ Melendez, geez. Uh, number three is Salvador Perez, 583. That seems a little high. So, I don't, they're not, they're not low on everybody, but definitely seems like, especially that mid tier, um, need to bump up some guys. What I would suggest, if you really want to see kind of the talent level at catcher, go to Steamer 600. All catchers will be good for 450 plate appearances. Then it gives you kind of an idea of um, where these guys pan out if they were to play 120, 130 games, give or take. Now, obviously, they might not all play there, but now you have an idea of what the projections really think if they up their playing time. Be something to think about. Uh, Jeff Biddle says, which catcher not listed in this top 30 table will be in the top 15 at this time next year. That's Whoa. Damn, outside the top 30. And into the top 15. Um, okay. Um, um, I will go. I feel like it has to be a prospect. Yeah. I will um, go out on a limb and say Miguel Amaya. Yeah, that's the guy I was going with. It's either Herrera or Amaya. I think Amaya's got a better path to playing time. Amaya's legit. Like, I... Every time they bring in a catcher in Chicago, I'm pissed. Like Amaya, he needs that's, to play. That's the thing. I don't know if the Cubs will play Amaya enough, but again, uh, going outside the top like 30 catchers, you gotta you gotta dream a little bit and go with guys that that have skills and just need the playing time. I think Amaya is is, is a fine late pick. Um, I guess like Amaya would be the dude. Um, I'm trying to like be optimistic somewhere else. It's it's very tough. So yeah, we'll stick with Amaya on this one. That'd be the the the, the podcast choice when it comes to it. Uh, next question we have for you is we got uh, this last question. Oh, it's a statement more than anything. Otani 2024 says the 150s range is full of tasty value. That is 100 correct. We agree with you wholeheartedly, Otani. And that is uh, just to throw some names to that. That is, God, what happened to my thing? That is, that is Salvador Perez, 140, Cal Raleigh, Wilson Contreras, Francisco Alvarez, Sean Murphy, Gabriel Moreno, Bo Naylor, Logan O'Hoppy. That's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good range. place to shop. It's a good place to shop this year. Most definitely. But that was fun. None about you guys, but I enjoyed it. That was, that was good stuff. Ready, ready to do catchers thirty to sixty next 
next show or are we going to do, do first you guys want to hear you want to hear who i have ranked or are you 16 i'm just kidding no um, no we don't yeah but uh, don't tempt me with a good time um <laughs> first base will come at you guys on thursday so that'll be fun because that's a position that so many keep talking about dropping off but the more i do team previews and whatnot there's some guys that are starting to be you know, at least if you are desperate or on, on the radar now, let's put it that way. So that's the fun part about all these previews and reviews. And as we start them early, as things keep changing in the world of fantasy baseball. So before we head out, Bloom, I know we recap the position, but final thoughts before Thursday night. I don't think I have anything. You you, you did well on your, your, your Super Bowl of podcasts here on January 9th. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. At least it wasn't January 6th, so that's good. Uh, make sure you find Bloomfield on Twitter at RyanBHQ, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I'm at BD Intrick. We'll be back with you guys on Thursday. But for now, Bubba and the Bloom, episode 97, your catcher preview. Catch you all next time. Mm-hmm.